Hello, hello, welcome to the Life Like a Movie podcast. Here we are all about growth, all about overcoming our unnecessary suffering, our obstacles, our mental blocks, and squeezing the juice out of life. Those are the two main goals. And today a very, very special guest is coming on, Desiree Kay. And the reason why I'm pumped to have her on is because she's all about consciousness and even more interesting, healing our childhood trauma. Now this is something that I've been unpacking a little bit within myself lately. And I have had a tough time really digging deep down. And I'm hoping that she can help me and hopefully others um, find some questions that we can ask so that we can dig deep down and find out what the heck is going on in our subconscious from our childhood. And then what does this mean? I really hope this helps you guys. I have a feeling it's really going to help me. So uh, I really hope you guys can share that with me. All right. Without further ado, let's get into Desiree K's world. Well, then uh, I guess let's just get right into it. So would you be able to start by sharing with the listeners your background, um, why you do what you do today? Yes, yes. Happy to. So I got into conscious life coaching after my own spiritual awakening. Mm -hmm. And when I speak about awakening, all that really means is waking up to your conditioning. So really looking at how you were raised. Yeah. Looking at how you were raised and the patterns that were passed down to you um, from your parents on a subconscious level. So that's what I consider awakening. Um, but I quote unquote woke up after going through a deep personal depression and getting okay. myself out of right after getting myself out of an abusive abusive relationship that I was in in and out of for about three years. Um, so. I had blocked out the abuse the best I could um, in about six months of no contact with my abuser. I started to have flashbacks and nightmares about it, which is very common to happen with um, suppressed trauma. Um, So (laughs) there was a day that I vividly remember um, standing barefoot in my kitchen on a snowy day in Colorado and just thinking to myself like, there's no way that I just live like because like numbing myself out daily. Um, the light in my eyes was just like completely gone, and I really became a shadow of who I was during this time in my life. And that day specifically, I remember I <laughs> decided to look up therapists in my area. Okay. And if anybody has gone through that <laughs> process, like you definitely know how long it can take to oh, try really? and search for the right one. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. There's like so much research um, that can go into that. Um, but I did get really lucky with my therapist and she was like the calm motherly voice that I needed to help me understand what happened. And then okay. through therapy, um, I learned that my brain had blocked out the abuse in order to protect me. And that still gives me like goosebumps wow. because yeah. that that's when it made sense to me. That was like my aha moment. And then I was really curious, well, what else has my brain been? Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I got like super fascinated with the mind and I essentially like used myself as a guinea pig for all things mindfulness, journaling, meditation, childhood yeah. trauma, subconscious and conditioning. I really I really yes. couldn't get enough of it. Thank you. Okay, um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, but through that um, research and self-study, that's when I learned that I was subconsciously attracted to partners who were emotionally distant and even emotionally abusive because of the relationship I had with my mother. No kidding. Yes. Wow. 
okay. my my mom, um, she has gone through a lot of trauma in her life. And so I can see how that affected her and her parenting style. And when I realized that I was attracted to that pattern subconsciously based on how that dynamic was with my mother, like it was all systems go. Like I was lit on fire because then I became oh, obsessed okay. with wanting to help other women wake up to their conditioning, right? Oh, so I that yeah, so that they could reparent themselves and so that they could get out of these patterns too. Okay. Um, yeah. So that was like the initial. <laughs> that, big... that was like your, yeah. I was like so you had like a moment. Like you, yeah. it was like a and that and the moment was with your therapist when you discovered that it was your relationship with your mother that had caused um you wanting or you being subconsciously attracted to partners that were distant emotionally that was your moment yes yes that was okay. that's what made everything clear and then yeah that self-study of non-stop information gathering of mm -hmm. okay how does a subconscious work how are we attracted like without realizing what we're attracted to and i just couldn't get enough of it yeah. um yeah, so about three months into therapy, I met with a shaman in her okay. basement in the mountains of Boulder, Colorado. What? And <laughs> I was just asking, what, what's a shaman exactly? Oh, yeah. So a shaman is like able to connect you with like your spirit guides or your ancestors. And she's oh, a bit of like okay. a medium. And Understood. it was like, okay. Yeah, it was like first experience doing something like that. But I was working on myself. I was like, might as well dabble in the spiritual world. Yeah, Why not? Sure. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I was just trying to be like super open minded and welcoming of everything because I started feeling free, but I wanted more. Um, so sure, she sure. had invited me to her home. And so we go, I drive out to Boulder, which was 30 minutes from where I lived, get there. And it's like this beautiful little house, like tucked away in the mountains. And I'm, I had a moment where I was like, does. <laughs> but I, went, I, I followed down to her basement and so we have like the ceremony and she told me that my ancestors said that I needed to move away from Denver and focus on how I could serve others and so that would that would mean I would need to leave my job move right. somewhere that was hot she said I needed to be somewhere hot for like my creative processing and oh, that I wow yeah, and that I needed okay. to dedicate at least six months to starting my own practice of serving. So, like any rational human, <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I I decided to resign from my six-figure corporate job. Wow. I sold my bougie Mercedes. I yep. took my savings and I moved to Arizona where I didn't know anybody. Um, and wow, I'm really grateful. I did all of that. Um, as you go through healing, like there's a, there's a part of you that seeks isolation or I hear that with clients I work with. I experienced my, it myself. And that was when I really felt drawn to being alone so I could focus. But mm -hmm. I say all of that to say like, that's the journey. That's the story. And Sweet. now I'm really grateful to have a successful life coaching practice. And yeah, I get to awesome. women. Yeah, I get to teach women how to reparent themselves so they yes. can break free of their limiting patterns and understand their conditioning as well. So that's the background. Wow, that's crazy. Uh, there is so much there. <laughs> there is so much there. Um, where do I want to ask after that? So there, there's a couple of things that really stood out to me. First of all, I'm a huge proponent in big decisions, like big moves, like snap, like just 
Um, I'm in BC right now, and I was living in Halifax five months ago, before that Newfoundland, before that Saskatchewan, before that Winnipeg. And I made all these decisions in like five seconds. Like, yeah. this, is, this is what I need to do. Almost like an intuitive, like, I, don't, I never know why I need to move, but I just know where I need to go kind of thing. So for me, that really resonated with me that you had a spiritual medium that could help you come to this decision. And not only to help you come to this decision, but I'm so curious as to what gave you the strength to have faith in what this woman had to say, um, this shaman. Uh, because I can think of an example in my brother, who's a very, uh, very scientific-based, very, like, I need to see everything right here, yeah. right now kind of thing. You know, not spiritual at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's so crazy. I think there's, there might be some people listening that might like to know, how can I have faith in the future? How can I have faith in somebody telling me this to make such a big move? Because most people, not most people, but some people will become anxious over such a big decision. For sure. Yes. So great question. Thank you for asking. And for me personally, I was at a personal rock bottom, right? So I was really I in see. that mindset of, I'm more scared of staying where I am than I am of the unknown future. So my fear was I got gotcha. stay where I am. Like anything's got to be better than this. Yes. <laughs> I love that. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, that's really what gave me the strength. There was that curiosity. Um, I had made one other move before. So I'm originally from a very small town in the middle of nowhere, like Arkansas. It's a very rural country. Um, and I moved to a bigger city, Denver, Colorado, um, on okay. my own, without knowing anybody there. And then I was there for five years. So this would be my second move where I would be moving alone. And I know inside of myself that I have um, a really strong work ethic. And I knew that no matter what would happen, there's always going to be a job out there. You know, if I moved and, you know, pursuing my own business didn't work out, there's always a job, you know, that I could always find something to make ends meet. And I just trusted that because that's rational. That's reality. You know, it's not like I'm going to move somewhere and all the jobs are just going to be taken up. So I I was very rational with that. And then I also looked at my finances and made sure I saved up for about four months so I could feel comfortable in four months living like very, very frugally. Um, So when I looked at numbers and I made it work in my mind, I just gave myself permission, um, mostly because I couldn't stand the thought of staying where I was. I did not want to. Because you that. had hit that, you hit a rock bottom. Yeah. And you're like, anything's got to be better than this. Like, 100%. this sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. That's very, very interesting to me. Because um, I, I, it is because I'm, I'm in that this sort of phase myself, and I think a lot of people like this. The demographic for this podcast is about 17, 18 to 24 years old where yeah. a lot of us don't exactly know where to go next. We're afraid mm-hmm. to make moves because of anxiety on a future that seems that sh- feels like we should be planned out and all, mm-hmm. all like the, the classic social pressure, right? For sure. um, and so I think that that's, that's so powerful that you, that you said this, that what's the worst that can happen, basically? I yeah. think that's such a beautiful mindset. And, and to me, like every single time when I first left home about a year ago, but almost about a year ago, for me, it was the easiest decision in the world because um, what is the worst that could happen? I thought, what if what if I completely fuck up? Like mm-hmm. for a whole year, mm-hmm. I do nothing. Like nothing great happens. Well, I'm here. I'll just be here again. 
you know? Yeah. So there's really, there's really nothing but upside, I think. And I think that what's the worst that can happen is a phenomenal attitude to have. And I can speak to this because about four months ago, I lived with monks for a good couple of weeks. And the biggest lesson I took was that nothing matters. Yeah. So, like basically nothing <laughs> matters. And so a great question to ask is if you're, before you make a big decision, what's the worst that could happen? Like what's actually the worst, like worst that could happen. It's probably not yeah. as big as we make it in our minds. Um, so I, I'm really no. happy you said that because, oh yeah. my God, if I have a nickel for every time someone asks me like, what do I do with my life? Or yeah. it's like, just try something. Anyway. Yeah. Just you know? go. Just go. Go. And trust yourself. You will figure it out. You absolutely will. There is always opportunity coming to you. And when you surrender, the universe oh, needs you every single time. I've learned that to be very true. <laughs> no kidding. That's amazing. So how, how does, again, going back to the example of my brother, I swear I bring him up like every episode. He's the perfect like <laughs> science, you know, and, I'm, and I love spirituality. Yeah. It's so funny for me. But um, how does one surrender? How does one have faith in something unknown? Like I, I get it because I'm, I'm one for it. I think it might just be my 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 nature that I just kind of like that kind of like you like the, un, the, un, the unknown more than staying the same. But um, like, how does somebody surrender to the, to the unknown? Like, is there any way that they can, they can be okay with not knowing? Well, when you zoom out a little bit, we will learn and see that everything is unpredictable. We, we can't predict any sort of future. And the only way that we are predicting our future is based off of our past experiences. Oh, so if we have wow. a similar experience in the past, they were in a relationship and it goes sour. And so now we're in the dating world again, we're single, but we're terrified because, well, the last relationship turned out like that. Your subconscious mind is painting this false reality because you don't know who you're going to meet. So the more that we can just be rational and think, how, how does the brain work? And say, okay, well, I am predicting this completely unknown future, either of staying in the same spot or yes. this future that of moving and trying new things. Neither one of those are guaranteed. So why not choose the one that's more, that's going to push you and make you excited? Because neither one is I understand. One guaranteed. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Like there's there's risk no matter which way you swing it. Absolutely. So why not do what makes you happy or what might make you happy or like like swing swing for the fences, man. Like. Yeah. There's like yeah. There's I guess it's not like you know you only live once kind of stuff. Yeah, I think that's a very good point that there's no security in anything, which is why I think it's so funny that a lot like a lot of my family members when I first dropped out of university were like, mm -hmm. "What are you doing?" You know, the whole thing, and I was like, "Yeah," it just made no sense to me what they were saying. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, so my next question is, why is it so important? I think you kind of just answered this, but yeah. why is it so important to understand our past conditioning, and how can we gain this awareness? Is it like through reflect, reflective questions and? For sure. Yeah. So if anybody doesn't know what conditioning is, um, conditioning is simply like your learned behavior. So how love was shown or given to you in your childhood will be what you're subconsciously attracted to in your adult life. So back to my personal example, my mom was emotionally distant and verbally abusive due, her, due to her own conditioning and past trauma. So subconsciously, I learned that's what love is. And I had to reparent myself to learn what healthy love is. So in order to gain that awareness of your conditioning, you can start really by 
um, looking at your relationships. This can be work relationships, friendships, romantic relationships. And look to see if you're holding any expectations. Ooh, wow. What a word. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So by identifying those, then look to see if those same expectations were placed upon you when you were a kid. Okay. Mm. Wow. And that's going to be your conditioning. And then ask, you know, ask yourself why you have those expectations. And number one, if they're fair. And number two, if you really even believe that yourself, or was it something that was passed down? Because the, the truth is, you are unconsciously repeating beliefs, thoughts, and behaviors from your parents. And if those are out of alignment with who you actually are, you're going to feel anxious and you're going to feel like you should mm-hmm. be doing more or maybe even battling those feelings of not being good enough because essentially <sighs> our conditioning is what puts us in a box. Mm, wow. Okay. Um, that was that was incredible. Uh, first of all, just if you ever see me looking down and not at you, it's just because I'm taking notes. But uh, <laughs> I don't I want you to think I'm being rude. But um, so <laughs> I think that that is very powerful for myself to learn because I've been thinking of ways I could reflect on my past childhood trauma and figure out what's going on a little bit. But um, so I want to ask about expectations. So how do we because like I, I've read from, you know, if, whether it's a Buddhist or a Hindu, basically like expectation just leads to unhappiness. Like, you know, so like how do we, <laughs> you know, like, so how do we, how do we, um, Actually, I'll, I'll actually I'll change this road a little bit because I want to give some practical uh, action steps for anybody listening. So do we just like get a, get out a journal and write down like how am I holding any expectation? Like where do we even start? Like which question do we ask? Like I really yeah. want to help people in myself included. Like how do we just start and figure out like what is causing any psychological block, any negative emotion or incoherence like anxiety that you said with our true nature? You know, how can we start to, to really unpack what's going on deep down? Absolutely. I love this question. So the way I start with my clients, like we're getting we're barely like getting started on understanding expectations. So when I say the word expectations, yes, you're you're most likely going to think of a specific relationship that you've held an expectation for, whether you're upset that they're not meeting that expectation or are disappointed that they didn't, but usually there is an example that will come to mind. Okay. And it might be with anger and so-and-so's not doing this and I asked them to do this a million times and you know, yeah, whatever yeah. that is, allow it to flow out of you in, in a journal prompt kind of way. So the first question is, okay. look, looking at that relationship where that expectation first comes to mind, write it down and then go to friendship relationship number two and think about, well, this I have this expectation on this person. Write that one down as well. I try to get three people that you feel like you've placed expectations upon. And then look to see if there is a pattern. Because there most likely is a pattern of the same kind of expectation you want to be held. And Interesting. Okay. in that pattern, you might see they're not responsive enough. They're not listening to me enough. They're not showing up for me. That's going to expose a core wound from your inner child. So something that was neglected when you were growing up as a kid that you're still seeking for somebody else in the outside world to give you. And you will need to learn how to give that to yourself. Okay. So, okay. Gotcha. And so is the name of the game then, so say, say we, we've gone through these questions and after 
re- reflecting, reflecting, maybe even seeing a therapist, which by the way, props for you for having the guts to go see in the first place. Mm-hmm. How do we then um, use this information to forget our past? Because I, I mean, or maybe not forget, forget might not be the right word, um, but to not have an emotional attachment to our past, just to extract the wisdom, let's just say, but to, but to not have the negative emotion that we carry with us anymore. Yeah, so that negative emotion that you're referencing and things that yes. come from our past, all of those emotions are still stuck in our body. And that's okay. why we're still feeling triggered because we haven't been able to process those emotions. And oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay, I just yeah, stopped you so, with, the word, with the word processed. Yeah. So what, what does that mean? We haven't processed the emotion. Yeah, so when you are pro- actively processing an emotion, this is when you think about an event in the past you remember maybe mom or dad yelling at you, whatever it is, that emotion or that event in the past. And then you actively presently are crying, feeling anger, feeling happiness or joy. But when you reflect on the past event and then you have an expression of emotion in the present moment, that is processing an emotion. Okay. So processing an emotion is expressing it, whether or not it, it actually just happened or if it was in the past. Yes, correct. Okay. Okay. Understood. That's what processing an emotion is. Okay. Yes. So as so, you're looking at your past and if you are remembering an event and you are feeling like choked up, you feel that in your throat and you don't want to cry, let yourself cry. That means out. that emotion is blocked from back then and it needs to be processed. So all emotion is, is energy in motion. So when we cut off our tears mm. or try to fight back our anger, cause we feel like we're not supposed to feel angry. It gets stored in us and it can make our body and muscles feel tight. We may feel really tense. We might feel really anxious. And so it's healthy to let these emotions come come through us and feel anger is not bad. Anger is something that we can express healthily, mm. you know, through yeah. like jogging, exercising, moving the body, you know, screaming into a pillow, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. We have to get... You know, nobody ever says you need to hide your joy or, or, you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's not like we get to pick and choose emotions. All emotions need to be processed. Mm. All emotions need to be processed. That's wonderful. That is so wonderful. Um, Yes. Uh, And I think it's very easy for us to want to hide from those emotions. I've, Mm -hmm. I've absolutely done that before. I I can, I can specifically remember a time where I have some sort of um, um, like self-pity towards myself or something of the like and I would instantly say like block it out and say like you know like like no no I'm good I'm good like try to even just like push it to the side and what I later learned from one of my favorite authors Eckhart Tolle is that what we resist persists it's like his classic yeah. saying right and so I didn't actually realize I thought it was like you know just going straight to the positive affirmation I thought that was the way to go mm. but it turns out like you're saying that it actually helps to actually just feel it and what I found recently even just this week actually even just this morning weirdly enough um allowing a a negative emotion just to sit there I find that it it just washes away in like four to five seconds as opposed to blocking it out and then it comes back Ah. like 10 minutes later it's so funny how that works Mm -hmm. but it's almost like counterintuitive to want to just feel a negative emotion because maybe for some reason we feel like um, there's like some negative connotation associated with these emotions is that like would you say that's true So typically we avoid the negative emotions because a parent has told us to stop crying or straighten up 
Interesting. Or don't be sad. Wow. And so we internalize those voices. So the reason why we're internalizing these voices is because of the um, hypnotic state of mind that we're in between ages zero and seven. So Ooh. our mind is in a um, has theta brain waves going on, and that that is when our brain is being developed. And so we are so easily impressionable, and that's why that inner voice that we hear sometimes can be so negative, or it can be, or maybe we're battling two thoughts and we don't know which one to choose because we've internalized a voice of a parent, typically, you know, or caregiver, whoever you spent the most time with as a child, typically a parent. Okay. Um, okay. But we've internalized that. And it's not really to blame our parents necessarily, but as we are young adults acknowledging it and saying, oh, this makes sense. You know, my mind was being developed. I internalized it. Maybe that might be a reason why I'm battling some thoughts right now. And that's, Interesting. that's how that happens. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's so cool. Zero to seven. That's um. That's mm-hmm. very interesting to know, and and for me, I don't know. I don't think this is normal, but I can hard. I have hardly any memories before I was like six years old or like five years old. And then I I talked to someone who like remembers things when they were like three years old. I'm like, how do you remember that far? So like, yeah. so say say you're somebody like me who like can't remember like a whole lot about their years from zero to seven. I honestly I can only like me. I've actually tried to think about this. Maybe like five memories. Mm-hmm. So like but they might still be there i'm assuming so, so like how would i how would i access them or like do i just not bother with it if i can't think of it or is zero to seven like the golden age or can i still get value looking at ages like seven to 18 let's just say yes yes you can absolutely get value and um there are definitely people who can't access their childhood those memories have been blocked out or they just can't can't retrieve them for whatever reason what you can do is you can look at your triggers so a trigger is when we have a big emotional reaction to a normal event. So you can do that today, you know, mm. and what that's going to tell you is, you know, like, for example, I used to get really defensive if I felt like somebody wasn't listening to me. So I would start talking in circles or I would go into lectures, <laughs> <laughs> would, you know, like I needed to so badly. And so I yeah. just felt like big reactions, like, are you even listening to me? Why aren't you listening to me? Yes. And that self-observation of, okay, I noticed I'm having a big emotional reaction to somebody maybe wasn't listening to me or, you know, that's a big reaction to have in that kind of scenario. But that trigger showed me that I had a wound of not being heard. So pay attention to when you're having big emotional reactions, whether that's you're feeling really anxious all of a sudden, you can't calm yourself down. Ask yourself, what is making me feel so anxious? If you're getting quick to anger and nobody's listening to me like I was, I had to pause and observe myself. Why am I getting so upset Mm. if someone just missed something I said? And it was because I had that core wound of not being heard as a child. So I would get dismissed a lot, you know, like my ideas were in or nobody's really listening. I was a middle child, too. So, you know, like there's other interference. Mm. No one's really listening to me or my ideas by like a parent's idea of like, well, this is better. You should do, be doing this instead. And so then I felt like no one's hearing me. And so in my adult interesting. life, that was a big trigger for me. Mm-hmm. Wow. That, that's so interesting. I, um, even like the, the, what you mentioned about being a middle child, how that can be, how that can affect you. Like, I just feel like there's, it's so complicated, like why we do the things we do. And, and it's so funny how even just the recognition of being a middle child might help 
um, give you some sort of inspiration as to why you do what you do. And I think, I think possibly the biggest nugget that I took from that um, was to be curious about these things. I think curiosity is like one of the most important things, one of the most important behavioral patterns I think we can adopt. Um, curious of our negative emotions, curious of, curious of everything really, but especially our negative emotions. And why did I just do that? Like, and I found for me that actually helped me, um, it helped me put a positive spin on it while still feeling the negative emotion. Cause now when my ego acts up, I get to laugh at it because it's yeah. like, why did you, that's like, what, like, why did you do that? You know, and it's kind of, kind of funny cause it's always so irrational and just, you know, so it's, it actually, it actually helps put a positive spin on it. So curiosity of negative emotions. I think that was the biggest nugget that I just took from that. That was awesome. Yeah. Great. Um, okay. So I, I kind of just skipped ahead and asked you this question, but just so I can write it down maybe one more time or some different questions what are a couple of questions we could ask ourselves to dive deep into our childhood trauma like maybe just a couple to get the ball rolling yeah definitely um triggers are huge so what the triggers do is they shine a spotlight on your core wounds so those core wounds originate in childhood so like i said the one of like not being heard and what happens is over time they get like reinforced and so then we be then we have our insecurities so even if you want to look at your in, your main insecurities you have today, because Lord knows we all have them, uh, <laughs> so look at those <laughs> and then try to think back, like, when did I first feel like I wasn't good enough? Or mm. when did I first feel like I had to show up as somebody else? Because especially when we feel like we have to show up. Interesting any way other than who we actually are is because it all goes back to childhood. I live in childhood. childhood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so that makes so much sense. But we take on roles really early. We learn how to adapt for our parents because a child is just trying to get the most love and affection. So if we have a parent who's very rewarding when you do well in school, but they, they don't know how to have that emotional connection to the child, that child may become a perfectionist. And now they just want to do everything, quote unquote, right. So they can get that approval from the parents. Mm. Yeah. So look at that. Look at our insecurities that we have today. Start questioning when I started, you know, when did I first feel this way and why? I love your point on curiosity because I always tell anybody I work with or sharing on Instagram, question everything. Ask why. Mm much as possible or happy feelings negative feelings and kind of feelings you fill in ask why <laughs> ask why yeah ask why that's so interesting so um that a child we don't we all just want love and affection as child or as children excuse me and that is 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 like love and affection like is that like one of the main things that causes a lot of childhood trauma for us like because yeah, like so, it's a, mm-hmm. so our our parents we have to lo- learn to look at our parents objectively So our parents are more than likely carrying their past trauma. And this is what generational trauma is. So usually if we're, if we're experiencing um, depression or anxiety um, or battling with our insecurities, there, there's most likely a gap in the emotional and feeling connection to our parents only because it, what it wasn't passed down to them. So that's why they don't okay. have that emotional connection. Interesting. And now, as young adults and adults, it's up to us to take ownership and mm-hmm. realize I'm noticing patterns in my life. 
I'm noticing that I'm getting stuck. I'm noticing that my anxiety is holding me back. By the way, I used to have crazy anxiety and panic attacks. And that's why I say anxiety so much because through reparenting, I have really calmed it down. My, my anxiety doesn't really flare up unless I'm back with my family where like all of the original. That's so funny. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Take ownership as young adults. That's awesome. Um, so I take it you're a very spiritual person, correct? Yeah. Okay. So I have a great question then for you. So from, uh, just using myself as an example, uh, when I was living with the monks, I had a couple really great realizations. The first was that I enjoy attention and recognition. The second was that it's not me that enjoys attention and recognition. It's Brett that enjoys attention and recognition. So those, those are like my two realizations. Now, my question for you is, is it enough to detach from Brett's need for attention and recognition? Or is it, or is it actually worthwhile to really dive deep or, or must we dive deep into, well, why does Brett want attention and recognition? Is that better or could we, would it, would it suffice to just completely detach from Brett altogether? So, like- we're, yeah, so we're talking consciousness here, right? So you're yes, able to correct. observe yourself, you're at that higher conscious awareness and that's why you can observe Brett as Brett and I can observe Des as Des. There is an element where we're still very human and we're going to be, engaging in relationships Mm. and meeting other people and when we do this we're going that ego part of us never fully dies you know um we can learn how to accept it work with it befriend it and giggle at it but we are still human (laughs) at the end of the day and the beautiful thing about life is that it's a journey so we're gonna have experiences of grief and sadness and love and happiness and anger and so when the more that we can learn about how we are with those emotions, whether they're good, bad, ugly in between, the more that we're going to understand ourselves on that deeper level. So really about going inward and thinking, when did these feelings first start? How do I want to show up instead? If right now I'm noticing that I'm quick to anger or that I'm full of anxiety, what does my future self want to show up as? And, and you know, mm. I want to now instead show up as calm. And even though that won't happen like right away, the more that you can put that in front of your in the front of your mind and know like this is what I'm working towards as my future self, the more that it's going to you're going to be aware of that. Um, so I would I would absolutely recommend, you know, getting hyper curious about those emotions. Um, definitely all about that higher level of consciousness. I think it's beautiful that you can see, you know, like who you actually yes. are and that's a beautiful gift and I totally understand what you're saying and also resonate I do um I you see me I'm moving my hands like to the back of my head because I envision my conscious awareness to be like up here as like a spotlight and I'm always like viewing myself like this that's like my oh yeah like almost like a bird's eye view kind of of yourself I gotcha cool yeah Yeah, kind of like a sim almost you know that little okay (laughs) sure yeah yeah yeah. um (laughs) and like says this is my human form this is like my human suit and she gets to have so much fun on this earth and try Mm -hmm. to be the best version she can but yes at the end of the day i know after this physical body passes you know that conscious awareness is still there right yeah that's so interesting okay yeah Uh, because i think for me i like the idea of being able to completely detach i mean it sure makes Mm -hmm. life a lot easier but um you know i i think that 
for me, like what feels right is to actually deal with our, um, yeah. to deal with what's going on. So our, like Eckhart says, our inner and outer purpose can work in tandem. And I know um, one, of, one of my other favorite um, speakers, Alan Watts, he says that even a great Buddha will have a touch of regret that life is fleeting because if he didn't, then he wouldn't be human. And yeah. he wouldn't be able to live in manifestation. So I think that that's a, a great point that you bring up about we are still human at the end of the day and we're going to see our family for Christmas and we're going to do, you know, we're going to have to, we can't just be a recluse and, you know, go live in the mountains necessarily. I see what you mean. <laughs> you know, that, that's, yeah, that's, I think that's a super great point that we're all still human and that we should actually put attention to the ego in the, in the, in the human in us. So that's cool. Absolutely. Um, here's something that I used to struggle with and I probably do to a certain extent. I'm not going to give myself too much credit here, um, <laughs> is how can we adopt the abundance mindset and eliminate the scarcity mindset? Mm-hmm. I, I think this is like, and just explain what this is just in case somebody uh, doesn't know. For sure. So scarcity mindset is feeling like there's not enough money to go around. We're maybe hypervigilant about like what we have. We're holding on to everything and anything as tight as possible because we're afraid lose it abundance mindset is when we know there's enough to go around like i was saying when i made that that move with my job or leaving my job and oh okay i knew there was still going to be opportunities that's an interesting oh okay cool that's a cool connection yeah always opportunity around and that scarcity mindset is a learned mindset so if your parents were always concerned with money or they're not being enough money or food or shelter or something around that was passed down to you and so you're carrying that thought loop from them so that means that you can change it you don't you don't have to keep in this box that you were these thoughts were passed down to your behavior patterns were passed down to and in reality when we zoom out of the picture just zoom out just a little bit then we know there's abundance everywhere we just Uh have to we have to embrace that and accept that and know if I look for an opportunity Maybe I need to like change my perspective a little bit. Maybe I need to look to the left a little bit. To the right. <laughs> behind me. You know? right. <laughs> all, all angles. There's definitely stuff out there. And trusting that. I think that's the harder part. Trusting is, like, it. Okay. Learning how to trust. I love that you said that. So I want to get your opinion. Um, are you familiar with Deepak Chopra at all? Oh, yes. Yeah, he's the he's the Bob. Um, so <laughs> my favorite Deepak quote, probably one of my favorite like top three quotes of all time is, um, to live life in the wisdom of uncertainty. And I think that that's very powerful for what you're talking about because he put it in such a profound way that really resonated with me, which was, um, I, I mean, it made sense why anxiety can be so prevalent is because when we narrow in on something like this is the only path we can take when we are feeling these maybe negative emotions and our focus narrows as opposed to, you know, like the broaden and build theory in psychology, I believe when we've, we experience these positive emotions, we're actually, we can see all the, like the limitless possibilities, but if we have a specific narrow focus, we eliminate every other possibility. And I think that that might even reinforce the scarcity mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's super important. So I love what you, I, I feel like a lot of this comes down to surrender, like to trust, to have faith. Mm-hmm. It's just such a tough thing to have. I find mm-hmm. like, like yeah. I'm, I'm still working on it myself, but I just, I have conversations with people with you know, have anxiety about things that like I understand like anxiety is a real thing like it, it can be like a, it's like it's like a chemical reaction in your brain right like it's just making sure okay and yeah. so like I understand that like, that's a real thing but I do know a lot of people that are anxious about things that 
not even just my like there's no way that they should be anxious about these things like there's no way um that's like that's what it seems to me like the smallest things are created so big and so that this feeling of letting go of surrendering of not having control this can be a scary thing for a lot of people i think mm-hmm. so like is it like and that's why for me spirituality really helps with that because it's super easy to let go being a spiritual person i find <laughs> but, but what if what if you're not what if you're mm-hmm. like you know what if you're somebody who doesn't isn't you know super into spirituality how do they let go how do they give up control and surrender that's great so starting really small so we're not trying to tackle a whole mountain in one day and just like you know oh fuck it i'm surrendering totally unrealistic but if you can find something in your life that maybe i can surrender and let go just a little bit in an expectation I have with somebody, an expectation I've placed on myself. Am I doing this because I actually want to do it? Or am I doing this because somebody else told me I should do it? Find that answer and say, if it's somebody else that has placed this should on me, Mm. I can surrender and I can let it go because it doesn't serve me. Whether it's you know, like an extracurricular activity, yeah. something you're doing to make somebody else happy. That's a form of surrender, saying no to that and honoring yourself. That's super cool. Um, that is super cool. I love that you said like should. That's such a, and that's an intense word. Uh, a quick little, it's like an old wives tale or something that I want to share. I'll, I'll, this won't be verbatim, but basically the whole story was that um, God and Jesus were in the back of a taxi and they were driving to like some place. And they got out and then Satan dropped in, uh, jumped in the back seat where God and Jesus had left the, the book that they were writing. Mm-hmm. And the two words that Satan wrote in the book were ought and should. And so I, I thought that was kind of a funny story to kind of show yeah. like it. Yeah. What do you think of that? That's the reason I brought it up. Like, what do you think of that story? Uh, I, I resonates with me because I use the term like, don't shut on me, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> I love me. that. I love that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh my goodness. It's an expectation. Talk, talk about on. triggers. That's something that kind of triggers me. I don't know why when someone says yeah. shut. Yeah. I wonder. So I can tell you maybe why. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> um, so I also am triggered when I get shitted on, when somebody tells me, you should be thinking like this, or you should be doing this instead. And that's a wound of having a parent who was extremely controlling. And so my mother really wanted me to be a very particular, very certain way. And that started really young. And so that I would get my behavior recorrected, or I would be upstairs my outfit, or I needed to present myself to be more beautiful and these are all these shoulds all these expectations and that really messed with me um as a child and into adulthood even and so with that controlling kind of parent shoulds and adult life can feel extra sensitive okay mm-hmm. that's very interesting that gave me an insight that i just wrote down so that's very that's very cool thank you for that so welcome um so this is the next question i have is Oh my God, so important. And something that I am not the best at yet, and I want mm-hmm. to be the best at this, is how can we say no without being disrespectful? Mm-hmm. Please tell me how. And quick, quickly, one more thing. I want to, uh, I heard something from, I think it was Dean Graziosi or something like that, who said when we, when we get asked to do something, it either should be a heck yes or a fuck no. Like basically, mm-hmm. like what I took from that is like have such a strong, clear purpose that yeah. 
just like it's super easy to say no or su- it's just so clear whether or not you should say yes or no mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how yeah. can we do it because it's easier um, said than it's easier said than done like what i'm not getting asked right now and i'm feeling all raw raw and confident on the podcast but in the moment it's you know it's t- easier said than done absolutely so boundaries right saying no without okay. being disrespectful so when i explain boundaries i use this green light red light approach that i made up in my head one day so think of like um you know stoplight with the green light and the red light so when we use boundaries saying no is for you it's honoring yourself and in no way is it disrespectful you are just protecting your energy and you are honoring what feels good for you but we still want to hear what the other person has to say right so green light allows the person to be heard so they can express whatever they want to express and then red light sets your boundary so if they are are asking you maybe they want to come over late you know and it's really making you feel uncomfortable you're listening to them and say i hear you i I understand that you want to come over um however it won't work for me at this time i would love to reschedule with you for a different day or any kind of such scenario mm. or situation like that always hear the other person out on what okay. they have to say okay. and then when we're when we're delivering our no it's about us so it's not because of you it's because i need to do this for myself understood and like making yeah. that clear that it's Very for you clear. yeah okay either this makes me uncomfortable so i'm going to choose not to participate I have plans at that time, so I can't participate. Things that are revolving around you, because then it's not placed on the other person. This is the decision you're making for right. yourself. Okay, I really love that. That that helps. Yeah. I love I love the red light green light analogy. That makes it a little bit more clear for me. Mm-hmm. So to to make them feel understood and actually understanding them, mm-hmm. and then either saying yes or no, basically based off that, like yeah. listening to them. Okay, that's super cool. And I think this is a a, a good reason to bring up honesty um I used to be like a little bit of like a white liar you know like I would like lie just for the dumbest reasons like just so unnecessary mm-hmm. um and that was when I wasn't as aware of my ego as I wish I yeah. would have been you know but um anyways so I find that honesty is the best thing of all time because regardless what what their response is it that's what like it was probably meant to happen like mm-hmm. Cause that, and, and I find that through honesty, we can actually attract the things that are perfect for us because mm-hmm. when we're not honest, then we're incoherent with what our true deep down desire is. And I think that's when we start getting anxious about things and like, Oh my, like, yeah, I think that just being honest, regardless of the consequences, is a great practice to take up, which by the way, is easier said than done. And I'm no, by no means saying I'm the best at this, which is hence why I asked this question. But um, yeah, I think that that's, that's very important. What do, you, what do you think of honesty? What's been your experience with it? Mm-hmm. So I used to be nervous. I would get so nervous and anxious when I needed to be honest. And that is, to be Oof. completely honest with you, <laughs> that, that is still a wound I notice in myself today. Because when I would express my honesty, my true self, um, you know, especially in that abusive relationship, it was twisted and it was dangerous for me to express my truth. And so then I really withheld honesty and just would be quiet. So I, I wouldn't necessarily do the white lie, but I would just hold it all in because I didn't, I was terrified. Um, but okay. even, even further, like in that childhood aspect, same kind of thing, but not like with the physical abuse, but 
I would get my reality denied a lot. So if I was being honest about an emotion I had, like, I'm really upset right now because mom, you said this and it hurt my feelings, you know, and then mom saying, you're not upset, Des, you're fine. That's denying my reality. That's denying my truth. And mm -hmm. that tells me being honest isn't necessarily okay because it's going to be shut down. So I, I just want to share that just in case wow, someone yeah. is struggling with sharing their truth. It might be because your reality was denied. Holy crap. That's, that's so intense. I to I'm like really starting to see why you spend so much time researching childhood trauma. I had a friend recently that told me like everything stems from your childhood, dude. And that's actually why I ended up messaging you because I, I got a new interest in this. That's so intense. Holy crap. Um, wow. Okay. Um, I'll just move on to the next question. I think that that's a really good summation of the importance of being honest and maybe where it stems yeah. from. Oh, quick plug lying by Sam Harris is it's like a free ebook that he wrote for anyone listening. Unbelievable thing. It takes maybe like an hour to read and it opened my eyes for the first time about being honest, just in, in case anyone is interested. Um, all right, here's my last question. Mm -hmm. So how do you align yourself every day so you feel really coherent? You just feel good. We always want to feel good. So how do, you, how do you align yourself every day so you feel good? And what is a, a practice somebody could try tonight, tomorrow morning, whenever they're listening to it, like right away? Like what's a really easy thing to start with? Perfect. So I'll answer the first part of your question first. So I'm really big on self-discipline and that's the mm, core of reparenting. Self-discipline and self-discipline is our biggest act of self-love. So I show up for myself every single day through my morning routine and I share my morning routine daily on my Instagram. So what, what my is thoughts. it? I'm so curious. Yeah. So um, <laughs> it's meditation, coffee, and journaling. That's just my three core things. And I, I, rarely, rarely miss my morning meditation. I meditate for eight minutes every morning. And then I make myself some coffee. Um, so if you're familiar with James Clear and like habit hacking, there's a always have a reward for yourself after you do the things that you uh, want to do. So coffee is my reward for meditation. So I am okay. not allowed to have my coffee unless I've meditated first. I love that. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I think that's great because I think when we start meditating, our minds are like, oh, I want coffee. I want this. I want this. And it's just like, you know, the monkey mind. So it's great. Yes. Like, Listen, dude, you're going to get your coffee, but you have to meditate first. I think that's awesome. Yes. That makes that's a lot of how sense. We, that's how we train our mind to start implementing self-discipline. Because it's if having reward? We, yeah. So having oh, a reward helps us to follow through because we're working towards something. And just as pattern beings, as humans, we kind of we kind of like them rewards you know we, we want to know we're working towards something yes it's, it's that it gives us that dopamine hit and so that mm. makes it more tangible mm. for us um and then I, I sit down to journal and I actually do not recommend this this full like three-step routine because it's important to start small so if you don't have a, a routine right now I recommend to pick one thing to start with um I really recommend either meditation or journaling if you're choosing meditation, no more than three minutes a day to start because 30 as three, oh, okay. three minutes for meditation, because what I see happen a lot of the time is I'm going to meditate for 10 minutes every morning for the next 30 days. <laughs> <laughs> you're yeah. not going to be zen. And then you try it and, and 10 minutes feels like an hour and a half. And you're thinking about everything and you're open your eye, you try to figure out well, how much time do I have left? And yeah. the, your brain, when you're starting a new pattern mm, you're creating a new neural pathway in your mind so you're creating a new way of thinking for yourself but you got to gotcha. give yourself a chance you got to right. give yourself 
so that you want to show up tomorrow saying, oh, three minutes was easy. I'm going to do three minutes again tomorrow. And then mark it off. Do three minutes for all seven days. And next week, try four. Next yeah. week, five. And build yourself. We have to oh. crawl before we walk. We have to walk before we oh, run. Oh, I'm going to write that down. Very important. Very important. And when you commit to those small daily goals, that's how you begin to build that self-trust and that self-discipline. And you learn how to be your own best parent and you're teaching yourself how to take care yes. of yourself. You show yourself that you can follow through yes. and you deserve that. You do. You just got to give yourself a, a reasonable, realistic chance. Yeah. that. No kidding. I feel, you know, I'm the worst for that. Just so everybody knows, like I'm such an all or nothing kind of guy. Like it's very binary for me. And I think that just leaning into it is just, that's such great advice. Like I, that's such, such great advice that actually seems attainable and would build a habit long-term. Um, crawl before you walk. I wrote that down. I, I remember that saying, but it's just like really good to remember. Um, now, okay. So what I wanted to, to unpack a little bit from that is more just like for my own curiosity. So I personally toyed around with so many morning routine combinations, same with night routines, all that. Um, and I finally set myself on meditation, um, sweating, like some form of exercise after that. And then my coffee and, or after like stretching and sh a shower, uh, coffee and creative time. So like, mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah. that, that just so everybody knows, I don't really talk about it that much. So that's kind of, so just so everyone knows that's my morning routine. Um, what is a way that we can find a good morning routine for us? Because I guarantee there's no one size fits all for this one. So what, how can we find a morning routine? Like, is it just like test, 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 like with like the three minute strategy, start small and work our way up. Yeah. So what's most likely is going to happen. I shared my routine. You shared your routine. So whatever your ears perked up on, like, oh, I kind of want to mm. try to sweat in the mornings. Oh, I think I would like to journal in the mornings. Just try it. And if you're going right. to journal, be realistic. Set five minutes for your journaling time. And so I journal daily because it helps me with processing my emotions. It allows me to be creative. Sometimes I'm for sure writing a paragraph. Other times I'm writing one sentence of gratitude. So release those expectations of yourself. You can show up just as you are, but just get started just get started. Something that you heard that piqued your interest, go for it. Try it tomorrow morning or try it this evening if you're more drawn to the evenings. There's no like right or wrong way to do this. Yeah, this totally. You. Do you feel you're the good. creator. Oh, yeah. I love that. Yes. Um, I think it's also important to note as well, I'd like to get your opinion on this. Uh, I think the night routine is just as important because it sets up the morning routine, which sets up your day, which sets up your week, month, year, and life. So, uh, what do you think about the importance of like a, and what's your nighttime routine as well? I'm curious. Like, and what do you so, think the importance is of a nighttime routine? I, um, my, so my nighttime routine is more about like all of my apps shut down at 9 PM. I have like the timer and they shut down from 9 PM to 7:30 AM. So I can't access that that's, social media. That's so helpful. That's yeah. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. And you totally. know, I am a human. I do have times where I'm like, I want to go peek and I peek, you know, I, d I yeah, never yeah. want to set the expectation that I'm perfect and that I have it all figured out just as human as mm -hmm. you and everybody listening. So like, yeah, definitely like break my rules sometimes, but on the consistent, yeah. on the consistent wavelength, like for sure. Um, I, yeah, my morning routine is really what I focus on. And my evening is definitely social media shutting down. I tend to do my sweat, um, sessions in the evening. I so like to cool. do interesting on a, at night, usually. Oh, sauna. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you, you don't exercise? Oh, I do yoga daily. 
okay yeah. okay i was just wondering okay because I, I i just i've heard that like exercise i think this is like really intense like say like a, a cardio before bed might like inhibit your sleep a little bit mm-hmm. um but yeah that's super cool i think yoga could actually be quite relaxing yoga is relaxing but to be like super honest with you and if i'm being like real with you we make dinner we like to me and my partner we make dinner yeah. in the kitchen and then we honestly like to sit and watch netflix while we're eating dinner and that's definitely our evening routine like it ain't fancy yeah. my phone goes off i'm being more self-disciplined with that um and on occasion i'll bring out my journal and maybe write some a gratitude yes. or a mantra or an affirmation to plant before i fall asleep but that's not as consistent you know that's like oh i'm going to do this tonight but it's usually just spending time with my partner making a meal together and then enjoying like a mindless really nice. show but yeah if i'm being completely honest that's what my evening routine is yeah, well, that sounds super chill. And I, I think yeah. it's just a game of self awareness, right? Like, yeah, it, it seems like what it what it always comes down to, anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is super awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I'm of always course. so curious to hear other people's routines because it's. Uh-huh. I'm just I've just tried a million of them. Same thing with like diet. You know, it's like does the vegan work yeah. for you? Like, what do you eat? Like, what time do you? You know, it's just there's so many different questions and variables, and um, probably like I'm just asking more to entertain myself, and it probably just comes down to self awareness. But um, yeah, no, I think that's super cool. So thank you for sharing. Um, well, anyways, that is all the questions I have today. I would just like to encourage everybody to take like even like five minutes just to, to check out um, Desiree's Instagram page. I'll obviously leave it in the description. I checked it out. I think you're posting some awesome content and just talking to you. I can really feel the energy through the through the camera. This always happens. I always wish that um, the listeners could also see the like the your face and your actions. And uh-huh. it, it definitely adds to it. But um. Yeah, I really appreciate you coming on. I was, I'm really happy to have connected. Likewise, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Holy cow, that was an amazing episode. Shout out to Desiree because she got me to take more notes than I ever have during one of these podcasts. She's really given me a lot to think about. So uh, shout out to her for that. Now, I always want to share my favorite note from the podcast. And what that is, is this thought. What is the worst that could happen? What's the worst that could happen? I think we tend to build things up in our head and make it seem so far-fetched and crazy and scary. And when we feel like we need to do something like Desiree did when she left her safe place in Denver, Colorado and left family, friends, her six-figure job behind so that she could move to Arizona with no prospects and no friends, no family. And she did this because she just felt like it was right. And it was a scary move, but she did it because... She thought, what is the worst that can happen? I think that's a beautiful message. And I hope that um, has internalized in you maybe a little bit if it, uh, if it resonates with you. Anyways, you guys, thank you so much for watching. I really appreciate it. I'm very excited for our next guest that's coming on this week. We're going to have even more to talk about. And oh my goodness, there are just so many empowering, inspiring people in this world. That's awesome. Thank you guys so much for watching. And I'll see you next time.